short round. Step on it. Okie dokie, Dr. Joe's horn to your potatoes. Hello and welcome to The Conversation. I'm Kyle Russell. And I'm Jeff Onan. Jeff, my uh, my good buddy Bob Iger called me up the other day. You know, he, okay. Bob Iger's my friend, as I've already established in the continuity of the conversation. Because you guys went to college together. No, he, yeah. war, he was a war buddy. Uh, he saved my life in the war, or I saved his life, I can't remember. But... He called me up and he said, you know, I loved what you did for our live action Little Mermaid, the the Little Mermaid remake we did. Uh, I love what you did for it. Your episode on merfolk in the Donkey Kong universe really helped cement that film success. And I was like, I find that hard to believe, Bob, but I'm glad you're happy with it. It was like, well, I, I need you to do me another favor. And it's like, well, that's two in one year, Bob. I don't know how I feel about that. And he said, well, this this new Indiana Jones movie we uh, we, we, we did uh, with, with our Lucasfilm division uh, had a $300 million budget. And I said, well, Bob, I, I don't think movies should cost that much. That seems like it's getting a little excessive. That, that, that's your problem right there. He said, I know, I know, but it's done. And if we ever wanted to make back any profit... We really need to have more promotion. And I was like, well, I, I don't know what I can do. And he was like, well, you did wonders with the, the, the Merfolk episode. And I was like, well, all right. If you say so, Bob, we'll do an episode on Indiana Jones and the DKU. So uh, welcome back, Jeff. Yeah, no, um, I want to stop you right there. I have... Uh... I have bad news, but I also have good news. Okay, I'm gonna do them in. I'm gonna do them in that order. All right. Um, ended on the good note. Bad news. I misunderstood the assignment. Uh-huh. Just got like in terms of like you know the notes and the preparation. Uh, I misunderstood. I I thought we were covering not Indiana Jones. I I watched uh, Osmosis Jones. Oh no. Yeah, I was really looking forward to cracking up and. Uh, I watched Osmosis Jones. I thought, well, this doesn't seem like very connected to the DKU, but I suppose Bill Murray does just eat a chimpanzee's egg, and that's kind of like Donkey Kong 64 or something. So I took notes, but uh, no, I I fucked up. That's the bad news. That's the bad news out of the way. Good news is, um, since it is actually Indiana Jones, uh, I am at least vaguely aware of Indiana Jones. I didn't do notes. I didn't really do... I was doing all, like, preparation for this research-wise on Osmosis Jones, but I, I at least have a cursory knowledge of Indiana Jones. He is a dog from the Hoosier State, I th- I think. I-, I think I can fumble my way through this one, is what I'm saying. We- we've got this covered. I think this is going to be a good episode. Yeah, so, so this episode, by the way, this isn't going to be us... Going through the entirety of the Donkey Kong universe, the shared rare universe, and saying, hey, in this game, there is this explicit reference to Indiana Jones. We're going to have a little bit of that, sure. But You're not allowed to have like a little bit of that. A little bit of that, but it, it's going to be more about how Indiana Jones, that original three film trilogy. We're not really going to be talking about the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull 
and the 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 what what is it the dial of destiny yeah yeah uh the the dial of destiny yeah yeah because uh i don't think either one of us have seen the dial of destiny so there will be no dial of destiny spoilers i don't think that either of those movies influenced the development of donkey kong country no they 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 didn't didn't because uh the first three are from the 1980s which predate donkey kong country and we're going to talk about how they were instrumental in giving us the dku that we know and love today and really quick i want to give a thanks to kirko mods uh, for the upscaled render of Donkey and Diddy Kong that we're using for the key art for this episode on both YouTube and SoundCloud. Um, it's it's that render that I think was really only shared on Rare's website back in the day, the Rare Where website, where it's Diddy Kong with Donkey Kong in the minecart, and there's a crash Kremlin behind them, and Diddy Kong is just grabbing Donkey Kong's face and, like, rubbing his eyeball with his fingers. And uh, I, w- I was like, this is the key art I want to use for this episode on YouTube and SoundCloud. But I can only find a really compressed JPEG from Rareware. And it doesn't exist out in the open internet in, in any uh, higher res. Um, but Kirko Mods has been doing these upscaled versions of these very, very compressed renders, usually found on the Rareware website, and uh, did one for this. And I was like, hey, uh, would you mind if we used it? And he said, sure. So thanks, Kirko Mods. You can check out Kirko Mods on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Kirko. Uh, they don't just upscale renders. They also do really great fan games of like banjo kazooie like here is uh more banjo kazooie content i believe the idaho crew has streamed several of them in the past so check them out yeah it's a, just a, a a a good reminder that the renders from the original donkey Kong country are nightmares <laughs> their their fingers are scary skeleton fingers and the uh, like the pupils on the eyeballs are yeah. like raised up like separate from the iris, uh, the the white parts of the eyeball. It's a lot. There's there's a lot going on with them. And yeah, no, just the dead eyed stares. It's it's scary. We were a simple folk in 1994, Jeff, and we thought this was just high art. Yeah, when I was one years old, I thought this is the peak of three dimensional animation. But at the time, it was sadly. <laughs> hey, speaking of Patreon, I really quickly want to say that DK Vine is on Patreon. And, uh, oh boy, if you love great content like this, you'll want to check out our Patreon. Think about, you know, throwing a couple bucks our way, just like Indiana Jones uh, puts the stuff on the pedestal. Take a little bag of sand. Put your bag of sand in our pockets. Yeah, put, put your bag of sand up on the pedestal to redistribute the weight, and we will give you the golden idol that is great Donkey Kong Universe content slash Donkey Kong journalism every month. DKM.com forward slash Patreon. And oh boy, Jeff. Oh boy. I said we'd have new shirts for July on our Tee Public shop, and I meant it. We've we're right now on T 
TeePublic at uh, dkwin.com forward slash merchandise. We've got the all-new Congo Canopy shirt, just in time. Actually, jumping ahead of the 20th anniversary of Mario Golf Toadstool Tour. That's right. We're going to be celebrating the 20th anniversary of Mario Golf Toadstool Tour. The only people on the internet where you will get that content. That's right. Anniversary That's right. You celebration can... of Mario Kart Toadstool. You can get the t-shirt to commemorate it on, on, our, on our merch store. You can also get the DK Vine neon logo. The DK Vine logo done up in the style of our 2004 to 2010 site aesthetic when we said, you know, we want to just look like a, a brothel in Amsterdam. And we, we just went all in right. on red neon. Like a, so the, uh, free smells, the free smells sign in a Jimmy John's window. <laughs> yeah, except, uh, you know, we, we don't shoot the animals. We, uh, we embrace them. Does Jimmy John's shoot animals? Yeah, look it up. He's uh Oh, is that the Oh, you know, I actually I, I do know about this. I, it took me I, I was a little slow to process. But yeah, that's a good reference. <laughs> well, it's sad cuz I liked Jimmy John's before I found out that he was a hunter of endangered species and uh treated his employees like garbage. So uh, don't shop there you can make a sandwich at home dummy that's true and you can do it while wearing our dk vine neon shirt you can find it at dkvine.com forward slash merchandise or just go to t public and search for dk vine all right jeff all right all right here's a little historical factoid for you hit me i love those kinds of factoids so we're recording this on july 9th July 9th, 1981, is when the original Donkey Kong arcade game came out in Japan. This is the 42nd anniversary of Donkey Kong. Cool, That's, that means something to me. Well, I mean, it means it's 42 years old. It, that, that's, that's all it means. It's Two years ago, we did that big episode for Donkey Kong's 40th anniversary. That meant more. Obviously, um, right. I, I I have five fingers on my hand, and so uh, when a when a number ends in a, a multiple of five, yeah. uh, I'm like yes, yes. And then when a, when a number ends in like a a different number that's not a multiple of five, I'm like Egh. yeah, vomiting. We we talked a little about this before we did the episode while we were playing our uh, weekly Sea of Thieves stream, and. This came up in the chat. It was like, hey, I'm surprised nobody's mentioned that this is the 42nd anniversary of Donkey Kong. It's like, well, we can't mention every anniversary because at this point, there have been well over 100 DKU games between all of the the cameo games um, and mainline series. And you you just can't do it. You know, the DKU has been around for almost 30 years now. Donkey Kong's been around for 42 years. People aren't capable of acknowledging that years are arbitrary. Like, nobody's going around being like, hey, you didn't say anything for the 630th month of Donkey Kong 3. And I'm like, yeah, because nobody celebrates hundreds of months. Yeah. But, like, a year is just, well, it, it's, it, it's nonsense. It doesn't mean anything. Now, if you want to attribute some meaning to anniversaries, that's fine. But the number 42 is ugly, and the number 45 is kind of hot. So, well, talk to me in three years. Even then, 45, between 40 and 50, it's just like, who cares? 
who gives a shit yeah no it's the higher you get this the 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 the, like uh the bar gets raised like five-year anniversary whoa but 45 year fuck that like now i'm waiting for the 50 and after the 50 i'm waiting for the 60 and after that basically 75 like it's like a logarithmic curve right not to be confused with the lord of games log that's different but uh you know numbers are just something we made up so that we could subjugate people with capitalism or something i'm not sure but yeah no no I, i'm glad you're up on that soapbox even though you don't know why you're up there it's, it's oh i don't I, I, my my whole aesthetic is uh getting indig- indignant about something i don't understand or care about <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm just bringing this up because, well, one, like, no, we're not going to acknowledge the 42nd anniversary of Donkey Kong other than this little uh, exchange here on this podcast because I hate how there are like, well, we're both uh, Beatles fans, right? And there are Beatles fan social media channels or websites and their whole thing, they, they don't generate content. They, they don't like write think pieces on various albums or songs they just say on this day uh the 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 album pipes of peace came out from paul mccartney and it's just okay thanks thanks for the reminder that it's pipe pipes of peace's anniversary um doesn't really mean anything right now but thank you in the sphere of beatles albums and songs and extended you know solo artists uh, careers of the Beatles and then their friends and everything. You can come up with something to say every day of the year. Every single day something happened because you're talking about like 50 years of of music history. Like, it doesn't matter when Pipes of Peace came out. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, but I, I'm saying like that's what these uh, like fan enterprises turn into inevitably is just, Hey, this is the anniversary of something. Hey, tomorrow's the anniversary of something. And uh, we have to draw the line somewhere, but, but Jeff, this is actually relevant to the topic we are discussing on this episode of the conversation. I don't just bring this up to rant. Osmosis Jones. No, no, stop with the Osmosis Jones. I won't engage with you about osmosis jones where bill murray is just being a grossman like he's like picking his ass and like eating his shit or whatever he does in that movie i i don't need it on the one hand you're right because this wasn't what it was supposed to be about on the other hand if i don't force osmosis jones discussion then i have wasted three pages of notes so (laughs) you and i are about to just kind of butt heads for the next hour and a half i I'll, I'll let it go. I, f- out of de- deference of respect to you, uh-huh. my elder, yeah, <laughs> my <laughs> my elder, uh, I will I will lay off of the Osmosis Jones uh, to talk about the uh, the lesser Jones or oh. the other. I mean, I should say equal, whatever. On this day in 2023, GF Onan laid off the Osmosis Jones tangent. Yeah, no, and then we're going to celebrate the, the seven-month anniversary. Wow, like, shut up. Anyway, 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 Jeff. Yeah, anyway, anyway, anyway. July 9th, 1981, is when Donkey Kong hit arcades, and people were first exposed to Kong, Donkey Kong. But little-known historical fact, because very rarely people draw these comparisons with with these two disparate franchises. 
Less than one month before that, Raiders of the Lost Ark premiered on June 12th, 1981. The very first Indiana Jones movie. Less than a month before Donkey Kong. Less than a month. And most people would say that doesn't matter. <laughs> but, 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 here at DK Vine, we're going to tell you why it does. Because what we what would eventually come to pass is that the Indiana Jones film franchise would actually be a significant piece of influence on the Donkey Kong video game franchise in the years to come. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, at that inception in the summer of 1981, both properties couldn't be more unlike. You know, Raiders of the Lost Ark, of course, is a throwback to the adventure serials of the 1930s and 1940s. You know, where you got a sweaty adventure man getting in all sorts of implausible, death-defying, high-stakes situations. And, uh, you know, it's like, that's where the term cliffhanger originated from, those old serials where people would literally be hanging off a cliff and it's like, how are they going to get out of this jam? Come back next time for the next installment of Sweaty Adventure Man. And um, so that's, you know, that that's the impetus for Indiana Jones. Whereas Donkey Kong uh, started off as a blatant ripoff of King Kong on reskinned Popeye characters. So, um, I mean, but both properties are just shameless ripoffs of things that came decades before them. Or loving, loving homage. Lo- loving homage is right, 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 of course. Is, is another way to call it. Right. Uh, but Indiana Jones, as that property sort of entered its 1990s dormancy, with the, you know, remember the young Indiana Jones Chronicles? Not not when it happened. No, nobody did. <laughs> nobody watched it. Nobody cared. Because Indiana Jones was no longer hot. It was no longer in the zeitgeist. After Last Crusade, people stopped caring. And then George Lucas was like, well, here's the young Indiana Jones adventures uh, where, where he meets all sorts of historical figures from the early 20th century. And it's just like, shut up. We don't care. It's done. And um, so that that, that kind of came and uh, struggled and didn't do so well. And just as that was happening, Donkey Kong was being rethought for the 1990s. Because uh, Donkey Kong had entered a long period of dormancy itself once, you know, Mario kind of stole the thunder and, and Mario became the breakout star of... of those first two games and, and then Miyamoto was like, well, what, what if we just focus on this character? And uh, Donkey Kong was kind of cast aside, but then Rare got the chance to make a Donkey Kong game with their new uh, ACM technique for the Super Nintendo that scored them a big lucrative contract with Nintendo. And, and when they were rethinking Donkey Kong for the 1990s, I think it's quite obvious that they took a fair bit of inspiration from the Indiana Jones films when figuring out how to create Donkey Kong's world in a way that isn't just King Kong again and again and again. Right. The question of what if Donkey Kong was the star and the playable character yeah. 
uh, and we wanted to put him out into a game that gave you the sense of adventure. Right. What if what if we make an adventure game? And I think that Rare at the time, uh, Greg Mails, clearly were inspired by some of the other adventure games of the era, like The Secret of Monkey Island, which itself was inspired by pirate fantasy and things like the Pirates of the Caribbean amusement park ride, which itself was in, deeply entrenched in pirate literary tradition from the late, 19th century and things like the treasure island and all of this everything influences everything but the point being uh donkey kong they said let's make it an adventure game and what is the quintessential adventure movie raiders of the lost ark or, or the indiana jones trilogy of movies yeah like, like you said some of this is just obvious because they're tropes and indiana jones was just taking old tired tropes of the adventure genre dusting them off and uh making it new again for audiences of the 1980s and so some of these tropes are just you know floating around in the ether independent of indiana jones and this episode is not an analysis of indiana jones we're not doing that it's not even like that episode we did on the pirates of the caribbean franchise where we're just like well we watched all five movies before the the Sea of Thieves crossover, here we go. Um, th- th- that's not what we're doing here. This is more of a narrow look at how Indiana Jones directly inspired the DKU, but more specifically the characters of the Kongs and their exploits. Uh, because the modern DKU would not exist, I, I believe, without the Indiana Jones trilogy, the, the first three. We don't care about Crystal Skull. We're not making a we're not making a, a value judgment or a comment on quality about those films, but clearly a film that released in two thousand six or whatever eight is eight. It's less relevant to the conversation because uh, it did not influence the development of Donkey Kong Country. Um, but I would say this about Indiana Jones: Raiders of the Lost Ark, in particular. Yeah. In a way, it, it, it is just an amalgamation and a send-up and a love letter to tropes that had been established in a genre that was now, at that time, dead. Uh, but in so many ways, to the modern, to, to today's pop culture, Indiana Jones is the origin. Yeah. It, this is kind of, uh, it's kind of a, a catch-22 or, or, or a, 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 what do you call that thing that's the opposite contradiction um it, it indiana jones is the origin of the adventure genre because it was just this perfect uh nexus of uh sending up it all the tropes in this distilled perf- perfect movie with a massive pop culture uh attachment rate that just i don't think anyone who's a huge fan of indiana jones actually watched uh fucking 1920s adventure serial no i haven't no i haven't seen that shit but i've seen indiana jones and that's the thing so in a way they this indiana jones which is just built on all these tropes and celebrating those tropes homaging them it then becomes the start of a quote-unquote new genre that is not new at all it's all steeped in those tropes but it's everything that's adventure genre of the last 30 40 
40, 40. years, uh, is built on Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, and, you know, it's not surprising that that would then be a large influence on the team at Rare, given their ages, a bunch of Gen Xers at that point in their early 20s. Um, You know, the Indiana Jones movies, the entire George Lucas, Steven Spielberg catalog of films would be so formative for them. Um you mentioned the Goonies, you know, that uh, an- another movie starring uh I did not, but I would. Oh, well, you mentioned pirate fiction. I did mention I did my mention the concept of pirates. Yeah. So in that way, yeah, The Goonies is my favorite film possibly. It's a top 10. But uh Ki-Hui Kwan, who of course plays Short Round in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, he's then one of the main characters in The Goonies. And um, I, I think that's apropos, given the most obvious connection um, when when discussing Indiana Jones and Donkey Kong, it's the relationship between Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong. Effectively, it's just Indiana Jones and Short Round from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Yeah. When I was a child, I, I've been kind of discussing this this week with some people. I've because I rewatched those films, and uh, there's people been discussing. You know, is Temple of Doom a good movie, etc. Blah blah blah. <laughs> and but it doesn't. Well, I'm, 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 I'm not going to get into that. But uh, what I'll say is, as a child, in terms of my nostalgia, in terms of my upbringing, in terms of the media I consumed, I personally was so much more attached to Temple of Doom than I was the other Indiana Jones films. Um, And the reason that I think that that was the case was that uh, when I was a child and I had access to all these movies, the the whole trilogy, all of them came out before I was born because I'm young and beautiful. Uh, But Temple of Doom is the only one that has children in it in like a meaningful role. And yeah. when you are a child, when you are a child, like you look for that. That's why the Goonies is so impactful to my uh, upbringing, is because of how much you see yourself in the like. You can you can feel like you're part of the Goonies. Like you can imagine the stakes of like, okay, these the kids are kids are going through the story, and obviously you're going to relate to that when you are a kid. And Temple of Doom has kids, but yeah, like Indiana Jones, the character is a cool guy. He's interesting. He's Probably sort of a, uh, a a conservative American fantasy or something. I don't know what he is, but uh, <laughs> he 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 represents the 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 rugged individualism of the conservative dream, fighting against the Nazi Empire or something. I don't know. I don't know what Indiana Jones is, but I'll tell you what I liked as a kid. I liked his buddy, <laughs> short short round. A hell of a lot more than the guy with the hat and the whip and the what? What's you know? I don't. I like. I like. I like this buddy. <laughs> so, right. I I like how you th- couldn't think of a third descriptor for Indiana Jones. There, there's the hat and the whip. That, and... The hat and the whip and the whatever. Yeah, that's enough things. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't have to be three. Short round, I think, to me. Um. And I think you'll probably agree with this, but he basically, uh, in the in the context of Temple of Doom, relative to the trilogy, he grounds Indy. He puts Indy in like a, um, 
I don't, I, I, almost more human because he's got this character he can bounce off of that's not just his romantic interest that he's yeah. like kind of having sexual tension and, and like repartee with. But it's like, no, it's like Indy bouncing off of a kid, uh, I think really humanizes Indy in a big way. Uh, and uh, that makes you like Indy more. And it makes you love short round. It makes you love the dynamic between them. Yeah. So growing up, like I, I, I'm too young, believe it or not, for like at the very least the first two Indiana Jones movies, and the third one would be too scary for me at the age I was when it came out. So I didn't really catch up with them until late in the '90s. I think it was the USA Cable Network did a double feature one weekend of Temple of Doom and Last Crusade. And that was my very first time actually sitting down to watch them. And uh, so Temple of Doom was the first Indiana Jones movie I saw. So this movie that I think so many people of the generation in which it came out say is the worst. Um, I mean, it's certainly the most racist I will agree with you there. Oh, 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 it's the worst. Like, let's not, but that's fine. Well, I, sometimes, I, I think, I sometimes think the worst, sometimes the worst can be the best. Yeah, like, I, I think I like the structure of Temple of Doom the best. Like, I'm not going to argue it's a better film than Raiders of the Lost Ark, but I think it's... You would, you would lose, you would lose the argument. But I, I think Temple, for me, it's a more fun movie. I think... That the first hour of Temple of Doom is a little bit difficult to sit through in 2023. And I think that the second hour of Temple of Doom is the best set pieces and enjoyment of a movie that you can have in movies. Yeah. So it's a tale it's a tale of two halves like, for me. I, I, I feel awkward when I say Temple of Doom is my favorite Indiana Jones movie these days because of the racism, but like Okay, if if we can excise the whole scene where these people are just slurping down on, like, live eels and, like, skittering bugs and chilled monkey brains. Like, there should have been a line in there where, like, after the dinner where Indiana Jones said, uh, well, Hindus are devout vegetarians, so clearly there's something up with these weirdos. Like, they, like that's not normal. Um, and, and just basically, like, tip the hat to the fact that this is a, a crazy, evil cult, uh, living, living under the palace. But, yeah, uh, th- that, that being said, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was the first one I saw, and I was immediately taken with it, because, obviously, I then saw the influence it had on Donkey Kong Country, uh, specifically, and I know everybody's going to think of the set piece that, that we're all thinking of, but specifically, it is the relationship between Indiana Jones and Short Round, his little, uh, like, orphan sidekick who just tags along with him on these globetrotting adventures. Um, like, like, they, they briefly, like, talk about the, his past, like, he was, uh, orphaned in, in some bombing, uh, I think in China, and then, uh, Indiana, uh, short round tried to pick Indiana Jones pockets and it was like tisk tisk and he was just like uh, what's your story kid uh do you want to tag along do you want to be a sidekick it's basically the episode of always sunny when Dennis Bonds 
with the pickpocket girl at the public pool <laughs> water park. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, if if so for our younger audience who can relate to that, that's how you could tell the parallel. But yeah, Indy in a way is a father figure for short round, but it's it's different than that. It's this it's that really fun movie dynamic of like two guys that hang out and one of them is a child and one of them's a man, and it's like I'm not a responsible father, but also I kind of am your father. It's a fun dynamic, especially because yeah. It, too short round, and I guess to the kids watching the movie who could imagine themselves as short round, Indiana Jones can be the father figure, he can be the older brother, uh, or or just just a guy who's going to buy you booze. Uh, but, like, <laughs> there is just this really fun dynamic where, and I think it's what makes short round work as a character, is he's precocious, but he's not annoyingly so, right? No. Like. You you can have these kids who are just so smart and wise beyond their years that they bug the shit out of you. But short round, he's still a kid. He's just uh, street smart, and he can hang with Indiana Jones, which earns Indiana Jones respect. And, and that's just a really fun dynamic to display. Right. I think that that I think that the movie has a parasitic. Uh, uh, relationship in terms of the, the 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 audience enjoyment, which is that uh, short round sucks all of the good enjoyment out of the dynamics of the characters, uh, while the female lead uh, gets all the enjoyment sucked out of her. Because in a way, a lot of times these movies you have the little kid being like annoying, and it's like no. In this movie, we're going to write the, the writers. They're going to write the female character as the worst character of all time. And that is going to suck up all the annoying quota so that short round can only shine. Um, like, I like Temple of Doom, but the, the, the writing for the female character, like every five seconds being like, I broke a nail. It's rough. It's, <laughs> it's a little bit rough. But I, I think it also works as just like, really just making the absurd tropes of that era. Oh, I'm sure it's like a send up of 20s stuff that I didn't watch. Yeah. But I yeah. don't I don't love it. Well, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom itself is mostly based on a uh, 1939 film called uh Gunga Din. Um it, loosely based on the Rudyard Kipling poem. So you know it's racist, but um yeah, like the the whole thuggy cult, everything from there was just lifted wholesale from that film. So I haven't seen it, but you know, maybe maybe there's like lots of little things people say, like, why did they do that? It's just because it was taken from that movie. But um, yeah, like um, short round and Indiana Jones had such an endearing relationship, and that was my first introduction to Indiana Jones. So then the next night when I watched. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and I was like all jazz about Indiana Jones because I was like, "This is great! I, I I love this movie. I love this franchise. Why haven't I gotten on board with it before? I can't wait to watch the next one." And then, of course, Short Round isn't in it. He's never referenced, and I'm like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Um, it was disappointing because short round humanized Indiana Jones in in such a profound way for me. 
And then I, I can't help but think of the Cameron Regal theorem when it comes to Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong, where, where Cameron's theory is that Donkey Kong cannot be portrayed as an asshole or a jerk if he's paired with Diddy Kong, because Diddy Kong immediately makes him this responsible or semi-responsible mentor and, and someone that Diddy Kong wants to emulate. And, uh, you know, when, when Short Round isn't around Indiana Jones, he, uh, he, it's implied that he has a relationship with the underage daughter of his professor. Uh, he has sex with, uh, secret Nazi spies. It's essentially Donkey Kong Jungle Beat or Mario versus Donkey Kong. So I'm, I'm saying, like, you need Short Round with Indiana Jones, but he's only in the one movie. Uh, and that's a shame. Yeah, I think that it, it, part of it is the difference of like whether you're approaching this film as the uh, from the audience uh, being children or uh, the audience being adult baby boomer men. Um, <laughs> right. Who, you know, if you were born in the 50s, then uh, maybe you'll have a very different relationship with Short Round and Indy uh, and, and how you view it. But, you know, for me... Born in the '90s, the correct time to be born. Uh, I I don't know why I said that. What it's the correct time to be born to witness the end of civilization? Oh. I guess I don't know. Uh, but uh, you know, it, it, we have a different perspective, and I I love the short round indie dynamic, and that alone is enough to make Temple of Doom my favorite movie. Yeah, but but that's not the only reason to like that movie because there's a set piece. There is a sequence. There's a, a chain of sequences in the latter half of the film when they get down into the catacombs of the of the of the the cave system and the uh, the, the the cult uh, down there. The temple of Doom. where it's the temple. I guess it is. Yes, the te- the titular temple of doom. Uh, that everything that happens in that cave is the best thing that happens in movies. It's it's better than what is your favorite movie. It's better than The Godfather. I don't know what your favorite movie is. Uh, and, and that is, I think, where you find the most obvious direct inspiration for things that you witness then in the Donkey Kong Country video games. Right. Like I said, obviously, the Donkey Kong Country team lifted things wholesale from the movies of this era. Like, one year before Temple of Doom was Return of the Jedi and what did the treetop villages look like? Oh, like the Ewok village from that film. But this sequence, uh, the minecart sequence in Temple of Doom, was obviously the biggest inspiration for Donkey Kong Country's two minecart stages, which would go on to become such a defining set piece for Donkey Kong Country. Uh, it's so heavily associated with Donkey Kong now that... You know, it got 3D sequences in Donkey Kong 64. They had to bring back minecarts because everybody loved the minecart levels from Donkey Kong Country. And then Retro, when they took over the series, they brought them back fully, almost to the point of overkill in Returns and Tropical Freeze. And the, the, the minecarts were homaged in the background of the Super Mario Brothers movie and will be the centerpiece of the Donkey Kong Country theme park in Super Nintendo World. So... That's all from this little sequence in Temple of Doom. Not little sequence, it's a major, major set piece. 
Right. And I also want to point out, obviously, this is the bigger sequence with the more longevity of, of influence on the Donkey Kong series. But also in that that part of the film, there's these uh, wooden catwalk caves with with hanging dangling lights yeah. that are I- identical to the cave walk uh, catwalks in Donkey Kong Country one. Uh, clearly a, an inspiration there as well. Yeah. Yeah, and, and when so when you look at all of this and, and like the, the Donkey and Diddy Kong relationship where Diddy Kong is just this baseball cap wearing uh like street smart kid who is maybe is up in above his head but doesn't want to admit it, but just looks up to Donkey Kong, idolizes him, wants to be just like him. Um it, it it's just clearly like Temple of Doom was what they looked at when developing the world of Donkey Kong Country, and they're like, how do we make Donkey Kong, obviously not the same Donkey Kong, but at the time they started developing it, that wasn't the intention. And, you know, how do we make Donkey Kong uh, this endearing figure, this adventuring gorilla? Um, and, and they rethought the character of Donkey Kong Jr. to be more like Short Round, which Nintendo didn't like, so they made him the new character of Diddy Kong which necessitated the aging up of the characters. But I think it's brilliant. Like, Diddy Kong is my favorite character in, look, well, all of video games, but the Donkey Kong series, of course, in particular. And uh, Short Round is my favorite Indiana Jones character because, well, for one, uh, Ki Hui Kwan is just a fantastic actor. Even back then, this was his first role, right? And uh, he just nailed it. Like, he just, he was just so perfect for it and uh you know now he's an uh, oscar winner now he's a, a big shot in hollywood but he was just it was just it was just such a wonderful combination of of elements coming together to create this character which then gave us this little monkey in the 90s that uh, i would also love very much yeah absolutely and I think it just obviously though some of the specifics from Temple of Doom that we've talked about, but just the general vibes of the Indiana Jones films generally influenced Donkey Kong Country in the way that I think every adventure film of the past forty years was infl- was influenced by them. But I think one of the elements of that that I love is this feeling of an individual or a small team uh, up against an army. Yeah. Uh, the the feeling of I think that Indiana Jones for for some audiences or for people what they want to get out of it can represent um, the individual against the 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 tide of totalitarianism um, and that is inspiring the to you know to feel like oh look at this guy who is basically just an academic or a kind of an everyman uh, but what he can do against uh, an authoritarian regime that is faceless and and infinite in number um anyways also you know judeo-christian god is real but but so are so are the hindu gods apparently there's a lot yeah what indiana i think he has he has a line i think in uh in crystal skull actually about says something about gods and he says well it depends on which god is your god and yeah. I'm like, are all the gods real? Like, what? I don't know what's real. Also, aliens. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, then then 
after that, you could, we could talk a little on uh, The Last Crusade, which I think has some also dynamics to dissect. For sure, yeah. So, like, obviously Temple of Doom is where I think the most inspiration was drawn from when it comes to Donkey Kong Country. And then, you know, ironically, Donkey Kong Country 2 had a little bit of the Goonies in it, and it was Diddy Kong's game, just as the Goonies was Kiwi Kwan's I mean, it wasn't his movie. It was an ensemble piece, but, you know, it was still kind of cool to see the Goonies. It's starring the kids. Right, it's not right. The kids, the kids aren't the sidekicks. Right, exactly. It, it, it's the kids taking charge and saying, this is our adventure. And, and that was very much Donkey Kong Country 2. So even though that's not Indiana Jones, it's still cool to have that link between uh, Spielberg and Ki Hui Kwan and Diddy Kong. And eh, it's just, just neat. Uh, but yeah, Last Crusade, the third Indiana Jones movie from 1989. Um, you know, not as many things here. This is the hunt for the Holy Grail. Because this was basically just them saying, uh, wow, Temple of Doom kind of went overboard. Uh, we went too far. What if we just make Raiders of the Lost Ark again? But but we switch up the MacGuffin. And uh, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't just a one-for-one remake. It wasn't like Ghostbusters to Ghostbusters 2 or Home Alone, Home Alone 2. Like, it, it was different. But they definitely tried to recapture the vibe of Raiders of the Lost Ark, including bringing back Nazis as the antagonist. And um, what, what's interesting about Last Crusade and the DKU is that, you know, Short Round wasn't in Last Crusade. Um, but... They introduced Indiana Jones' father, Henry Jones Sr., Indiana Jones being Henry Jones Jr. in actuality. And this relationship, you can't help but draw comparisons to Donkey Kong and Cranky Kong, which, I don't know if you know this, Jeff, but one of the original ideas that they bandied bandied about for Donkey Kong Country 2 was that but before they stumbled upon it being Diddy Kong's game, they did come up with the idea of what if Donkey Kong and Cranky Kong have to team up and go on an adventure together. I'd play that. I like Cranky Kong. Well, I mean, we we, we kind of did eventually with Tropical Freeze, but that is The Last Crusade. It's this... Uh, Adventure where Indiana Jones is kind of displaced in his own tale, where his father, his overbearing father, who probably went on many the adventure in his own youth, um, he's forced to team up with him, and they bicker, and, and they squabble along the way. Yeah, it's a good dynamic. I think that it. what's interesting to me um, is that I absolutely think Raiders of the Lost Ark is the best of the three and it's not really close, like in an objective kind of movie sense or whatever. Um, that's just my opinion. Sure. But it's the one of the three that I think the love interest of Marion uh, in that film um, really holds her own as a character in the movie who that you want to see bounce off of Indy. And I think that in the ensuing sequels, they each have kind of a love interest type character, uh, but they pawn off that idea of the the sidekick that the that can, Indy can bounce off of uh, to a different character than the love interest. So in the second movie, uh, it's all about Indy and Short Round, and the love interest is 
basically a punchline, which I don't love, um, but I love short rounds, so it it's I'm conflicted. Then the third movie, the dynamic at the heart is Indy and his dad, and the love interest is like sidelined pretty quick because you find out she's a Nazi, and <laughs> Indiana Jones doesn't like that. Doesn't like Nazis, and that's what I really He doesn't like Nazis. One of the things I do like about Indiana Jones is he hates Nazis. He does. It's relatable because they're bad objectively. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I think that now do I like Henry Jones Sr. as the sidekick in Last Crusade? Yes, but I don't like him more than Short Round and I yeah. don't like him more than Marion in Raiders of the Lost Ark. So I, I think it's all right. I think the movie's kind of painfully dull. I don't care about being like, hey, it's an Indiana Jones movie. Let's show more of Europe. Let's go to Italy and let's go to Berlin and have Indiana Jones get his book signed by Hitler. I'm like, you know what's you know what's boring to me? Europe. Oh, Europe's not boring. Yeah, sorry, sorry to Europe. You're boring to me. I, I felt that way when I was a kid before I, I appreciated the nuances of Europe. But okay, here, here's the thing. I, I will agree that Temple of Doom has the more exciting set pieces. The, the trade-off is that the more exotic... You want something exotic, but then th- when you do that, they're going to make it racist. So <laughs> right. that's the trade. That's the trade-off. Uh, Temple of Doom is basically a, a tropical or, or subtropical haunted house, right? Yeah. Um, it, it, it's basically, what if we take, like, a, a haunted house and make an adventure out of it rather than a horror movie? Uh, which, which I really dig. Like, that, that just taps into my sensibilities so hard. And so few things do that. Where, or yeah, Last Crusade is more. Let's just uh, trot around Europe for a bit and and see Venice. And uh, yeah, it, it's not as interesting to a kid. It, it's really right. not. But um, I I don't know. I I like the dynamic between uh, Indiana Jones and Henry Jones Senior. And I like that. You know, that might, I, I don't think that directly influenced Donkey Kong and Cranky Kong, but I do think it would have if they had gone that direction for DKC too. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons they looked towards that as a possibility with DKC too, before they just said, let's just do the Goonies instead. But I, I, I can see with Tropical Freeze a little bit of that dynamic between them, even though there's not really any great dialogue in Tropical Freeze, like there is the Rare game, so you don't get that that bickering. Um, it, it's still it's still kind of um, a, a neat parallel to make with Indiana Jones and Short Round. But, we're talking about set pieces, Jeff. Um, I think, like, Rare lifted the minecart sequences from Donkey Kong Country wholesale. Or for Donkey Country Wholesale from Temple of Doom. Uh, they did the same with a major set piece, one of the more memorable ones from Last Crusade, for not Donkey Kong Country, but Star Fox Adventures. Yes, you you have to choose the cup wisely. Well, no, no. There, I, I, I don't remember any cups in Star Fox Adventures. You... You have to fly the biplane off the bottom of the blimp. No, no, but you're getting closer. Actually, you're getting further away. Never mind. Is it like a train car from a carnival? I don't remember. <laughs> no, it's the, the, the leap of faith. Ah, yeah. of course, that was going to be my fifth guess. So in Last Crusade, there's this big sequence where uh, Indiana Jones has to 
reach the Holy Grail. And the last test to get to the Holy Grail is a leap of faith across this massive chasm, right? Like uh, this this giant cave. There, there's just this huge pitfall. And how do I cross that? Nobody can make this jump. And then Indiana Jones like, it's a leap of faith. And it turns out that it's just an optical illusion. There's actually a, a little stone... Uh, like bridge bridge yeah that that you can't see with your eye but if you trust in god or, or whatever uh you you could walk right over it and uh star fox adventures reuses that but uh with magic instead it, it's just it's it's just uh there's this bit in dark ice mines right where uh fox mcleod has to get to the other side of uh a chasm uh, not not to get the Holy Grail or anything even that important to the plot of the game. It's a dinosaur horn uh, that he that he can use to ride a snow horn. He just he just blows in it, and the snow horn's like, "Oh, you're friendly," and it's like, "All right." And uh, and and Fox needs this, but uh, it's just uh, anyway. Uh, rather than an invisible bridge like in the movie, this is just magic. It's like purple space magic. And and Fox just jumps and he's like, oh, I can walk across this. But he doesn't have to believe in God or anything. He he just does yeah. it. It's not as good as the movie, I have to say. Fox has been to space. I don't it's hard to it's hard to believe in God when you've been to space. Yeah, and and then God does show up at the end of the game, but he's just your enemy, Andros. Yeah, anyone can pretend to be God. That's the tricky part. Um yeah, that's this brings up the interesting point, really, that uh, Donkey Kong Country isn't the only rare game. I almost forgot, and um, <laughs> <laughs> lots lots of rare games have been influenced by Indiana Jones in small ways. We're not going to get into all the examples, but this is pretty explicit that you're literally jumping into uh, onto an invisible bridge and a chasm. So, so, so in the movie, it's called a leap of faith. In the game, it's called the Leap of Great Faith, and I, I think maybe the Star Fox Adventures team was hoping that would make it even more impactful. It didn't. Didn't. No, but didn't. but no. they tried, and and I I still like the thing from the the game. Like when I played it, I was like, oh, it's it's like from 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 the movie, and um, yeah, yeah, that's that's fun. We want that. Um, yeah, what are the, what are the, what other examples are there? Are there more examples? Are we or is this it? Like I could go. Like more references from from Are uh, there more? Well, there is that bit in Last Crusade. I think it's from Last Crusade. Maybe it's from Raiders of the Lost Ark where uh, Indiana Jones says Nazis. I hate these guys. Remember that? That's that's really good world building because it's it one it immediately um introduces the audience to the concept of Nazis in case you never heard of them. And then contextualizes whether you should like or dislike. Yeah, I I relate to Indy, and if he dislikes them, then I, as the audience, know Nazis are bad. Indiana Jones is a learned individual. He's worldly. He knows things about cultures, and he gets all the coeds like turned on. They write words on their eyelids <laughs> for him and stuff. Um, That's right. And then he and then he like climbs out the window of his office because everybody wants to fuck him. And he's like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> Life is hard. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he did say that. He said, Nazis, I hate these guys. And then that was uh, referenced in uh, Conker's Bad Fur Day. Right, which 
Again, I don't think it's nearly as impactful on Conker's Bad Fur Day because Indiana Jones has a lot of reasons to hate the Nazis, given that he's living in the 1930s and Nazism, fascism is on the rise, and being a educated worldly man, he will he, he clearly sees why Nazis are a bad thing. Whereas Conker earlier that day or, or or the night before was like, I guess there's a war going on. I don't really give a shit. It doesn't affect me. And then by the end of his bad fur day, he's like, Teddy's, I hate these guys. And I'm like, really? You, you do? Because you didn't give a damn 24 hours ago. Yeah, he doesn't hate them in like a grand philosophical principled sense. He kind of just hates them because he ran into them a couple times and they were annoying. Uh, which feels less impactful. <laughs> it, it really does. It feels like Conker really isn't making a stand. He's just kind of uh, a victim of circumstance, and he's reacting to it. It could be some bikers in a bar that roughs you up, and you, you see them again, you're like, oh, I hate these guys. It's like it doesn't mean that you have a lar- larger thing to say about fascism or whatever. Like, no, he's just a squirrel who pees. It's, yeah, it's almost like uh, they they were just trying to... Load Conquer's Bad Fur Day full of references. I don't know. Yeah, that's one thing they do in that. But uh, hey, uh, I get the reference and I like it because it's from a movie I like. So uh, I click, yeah, clap. I click like, like and subscribe for more. <laughs> and like I said, we're not going to go down the list of every Indiana Jones reference in the DKU because we would be here probably for far longer than we want to be. Because how many times has there been a giant fucking boulder in the DKU? chasing the heroes yeah three i at least maybe four i i remember in mario party in in, in uh donkey kong dk's jungle adventure that board when the you, you step on the 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 question mark space and then oh no here comes a giant boulder indiana jones yeah and then you could really say um that the kind of set piece uh, death-defying, you know, oh, the thing is chasing us, and we gotta get through the thing before the thing hits the thing. Uh, the whole, the whole action set-piece, uh, formula from the Indiana Jones movies is basically the crux of every retro studio's Donkey Kong Country level. Uh, they're all, like, set-piece-based, high-action, uh, you know, Indiana Jones formula-type set-pieces. Yeah, like I mentioned before how Indiana Jones was inspired by the serials of the the 1930s and 40s and the whole concept of the cliffhanger, right? And Retro really took that to the umpteenth degree in in their games. Like nearly every stage, especially as the two games progress and you get, you know, further and further into the adventure, each level just ends in this bombastic sequence, like right out of... Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark or Temple of Doom where Donkey Kong or the other Kongs are just es- escaping some out-of-control mechanism or or some death-defying trap that is just uh, absurd and over-the-top and would never happen in reality. But because it is an homage, you just accept it. You're like, well, maybe this stuff could be out there. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not exploring ancient temples. I don't know. Right. Every single level is just like, we're not sinking, we're crashing! <laughs> uh, but there's also one of the things is, is uh, every Indiana Jones movie has a bit where the whole floor is covered in a Nicky creature. Because yeah. whether it's snakes or bugs or scorpions or rats, 
Uh, every single movie has one of those, and they do this in Donkey Kong Country Returns with the spiders. Yeah, um, the, the Muncher, Muncher, what, what, Muncher, Muncher Madness. Muncher, Muncher yeah. was it? Was it Muncher Marathon or Muncher Madness? I don't remember. Some alliterative title for a level about spiders. It just makes me think of Cunnilingus. It does. I. It makes me want to munch. No offense. <laughs> and then you think about spiders, and then and then that just take takes a, a stake to your libido. Yeah, it's 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 conflicting. It, it, uh, I'm up and down with it, but uh, and then we're not even going to get into this. But I, I will say that without a doubt, the video game Sea of Thieves, which is DKU, is yeah. hi- highly inspired by all the adventure tropes, some specific, some general, of the Indiana Jones franchise. I think you could basically say that um, of the three regions in Sea of Thieves. Uh, one of them is basically modeled after the Pirates of the Caribbean. One of them is modeled like it's Crocodile Isle from Donkey Kong Country 2. And then one of the three regions is modeled like it's a Indiana Jones Raider of the Lost Ark Temple Jungle. Um, right. You know, from, from the opening sequence with the, the temple, with the idol and the rolling rock. Uh, that's, that's Sea of Thieves. It's, it's an Indiana Jones movie as a video game. Yeah, and and you know, you even looking like deeper into the DKU, like Saber Wolf for the Game Boy Advance, like that is like it's it's, a, it's almost a different type of trope. It's like a Red Yard Kipling, you know, British colonialism slash imperialism, but still that that treasure hunting motif and aspect that right. Indiana Jones popularized or repopularized in the nineteen eighties. Um, and of course, like you, you've, you've got to sort of tone it down for modern sensibilities because, well, Indiana Jones, you know, you, should you really be like robbing from these cultures and, and like putting them in a museum that, uh, isn't associated with them? It's like, well, Indiana Jones, he's, he, he wants to put it in a local museum, presumably. And, uh. Everybody associates the line, you know, fortune and glory with Indiana Jones because he says that in what Temple of Doom, right? Yeah, it was um, te- Temple of Doom. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was. It was. But that was actually his character arc in Temple of Doom, which was a prequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark by a year where like, yeah, he's like, oh, fortune and glory. But then he was like, actually, these stones will benefit this community and I don't need to worry about my own fortune and glory if it if it benefits this uh this village, this poor, impoverished village. So yeah, and, I, and I'm not going to defend him too much, like because really, you can analyze those movies for pretty strong pro-colonizer uh, messages. But um, if you can uh, set them aside to be part of the era, and then just pick out the good elements of those movies, they're yeah. pretty good. Yeah, and and they they do the same thing with Saber Man a little bit in Saber Wolf GBA, where like. The mayor of Black Witch Village is like, uh, you know, feel feel free to keep any of the treasure you want. We're okay with it. Um, I don't know. It's it's kind of a half-assed uh, way to justify it, but um, at, at least you know they they, they were forward-thinking a little bit with a character who shouts for the Empire whenever he does something cool. Yeah. Well, the good thing with Donkey Kong the gorilla is that uh, he is a native. To Donkey Kong Island. That's right. And he's defend he he while while Indiana Jones is up against the Nazis, and that inherently makes him the good guy. Uh, 
Donkey Kong is up against the Nazis of Donkey Kong Island, and also he's native and he's he's not a white knight protecting some other place. He's uh he's this just his place. Right. And and usually the treasure he's trying to obtain is just his stuff that was taken from him in the first place. Yeah. They didn't stop taking his stuff. That's rude to do. <laughs> and and I basically support Donkey Kong's side of that debate. I think he should be able to have his stuff back. So, good games. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a strong, hot take <laughs> right there, Jeff. <laughs> I think that the Kremlings are basically wrong. That's, that's my take for the day. <laughs> we have a call to take, and I, and I uh, think we should play it. All right. Assess what they have take to a say. Call. Let's hear it. Let's take the call now. Hello, DK Vines. This is Jer Rare Bear, and I'm happy to call you uh, to talk about Indiana Jones. Now, this is really exciting for me because Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is my favorite movie of all time, and I've always seen the parallels between Donkey Kong Country and the Indiana Jones franchise, Like, and not even just in terms of the set pieces, but in terms of characters. I mean, I know you guys will talk about this, but like how... DK is like indie, short round is uh, like Diddy, uh, Cranky Kong is very obviously very similar to Henry Jones Sr., and I even love the scene in The Last Crusade when uh, when Indiana Jones berates his father for calling him Junior before er, after shooting a bunch of Nazis in frustration. So just really cool parallels. Um and uh, I would hope that if there's a Donkey Kong Country movie in development, that the writers will take inspiration from the Indiana Jones movies, much like how Greg Mills took inspiration from Temple of Doom for the minecart segments of Donkey Kong Country. So, yeah, really excited to hear you guys talk about this, and uh, take care. Bye-bye. Well, thank you for the call. I'm terrible with names. Uh Bear Lergare. Um thank you thank you for the call. I think if we if the court stenographer will uh read back my statements, they'll find that I did not perjure myself. Uh no, uh thank you for the call. I'm not sure if there was a question in there. I'm glad you like the movies. I like them too. Last Crusade's not not my favorite, but it's one of them. Well, I I think I think it was if there is a Donkey Kong Country movie, as there is. Oh yeah, to be. they hope they hope it would be inspired by Andy. Yeah, like like, how do you think it it could be inspired by Indiana Jones? Like, do you think they could like okay? Because the one of the big criticisms of the Super Mario Brothers movie was that the screenplay was a bit of a mess, and they tried to get way too much in uh, with not enough time, right? Um. Do you think if they just, no pun intended, ape an Indiana Jones-type structure, they can make for a better movie with Donkey Kong? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the Indiana Jones inspiration, I think that's the easiest part of the movie to nail. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that if they make a Donkey Kong Country animated movie, it will have action-adventure tropes and set pieces and temple rating and puzzle, you know, oh, we gotta... What? We got to decode the message so we can figure out how to enter the temple, whatever, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that is the easy part, I think. I mean, any writer can figure out that. 
Uh, it's going to be a question of how that's intertwined to the actual plot conflict of the movie, the characters. You know, what's what's going to be at the heart of the 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 story? You know, is it a story of Donkey Kong proving himself to Cranky, his father? Is it a story of somebody's kidnapped and needs to be saved? And uh, is it a story of the kingdoms invaded and the only way to stop them is find the MacGuffin? Like, I think that there's a lot of ways they can frame it. And that's going to determine really kind of the things. But, um, yeah, I think you're going to see the thing. You're going to see the usual things. You're going to see uh, thrilling minecart sequences and, and death-defying stunts. You're going to probably see swinging on vines and rope bridges that collapse and people falling into the rivers with the crocodile-infested whatever stuff. Uh, it, it Stuff of that nature, trope-wise, I think is... A no-brainer to put in right. a movie. Um, it's just a question of the character stories. What are those going to be? Who cares as a kid's movie? <laughs> I didn't care about in the Mario one. People are like, oh, the plot's kind of simple. I'm like, yeah, but it's still pretty good, though, right? Uh, I, I don't care. Um, you know, Bowser plays p- piano. Here, here, here's what I want in the Donkey Kong Country movie. I, I want a scene where they're in this, uh, they're in this big... Uh, like dark dingy chamber and and they're they're walking along and like there's uh this crackling noise on the floor and uh and and diddy kong says it sounds like fortune cookies and donkey says it's not fortune cookies <laughs> they're not fortune cookies kid which what the fuck steven spielberg what the fuck george lucas fortune cookies aren't even natively chinese <laughs> it's an american yeah <laughs> No, we weren't kidding when we said the movie's racist. It's racist from twelve angles to Sunday. It comes at, from every di- it comes from every direction with that. Even at the end, when it's just like, uh, what the Imperial British Army shows up to save him, and I'm just like, oh god. And, and Willie's like, it's about time. It's about time the white saviors get here. Right, right in colonized India. Um, <laughs> like ugh, rough, but but hey, uh, you know. I think we're going to get all all kinds of this, the the typical tropes in the movie. We'll get. I think that probably Donkey Kong will go um, windsurfing down the Great Pyramid at Giza using the Shroud of Turin, using the Shroud of Turin as his parachute. Um, yeah. Or whatever whatever Indiana Jones would do, wearing his bucket hat or whatever he does with his lasso. Uh, bucket that's a fedora what how do you look i've saw i saw the movies he has a bucket hat he's got his lasso it's whatever <laughs> i'm sure there will be bucket hats in the movie <laughs> considering the the ring of kong in in the background characters in the super mario brothers the ring of kong i like that that's that's what it's good it makes it sound very serious um well Final thoughts, Kyle, because it's getting close to it's it's four twenty, so I need to I don't know smoke marijuana. Yeah, no, obviously that's what you do, and I know you probably. Are, yeah, you you are um, really dedicated to your marijuana consumption at that specific time of day. I'm a teen. I'm a teen boy. I, yeah. I can smoke. Uh, final thoughts, uh, Indiana Jones. Five words or less or more. No, uh, well, okay. Uh, it really gives me a lot of wiggle room. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, so, oh, that, that, got it. Yeah, 
even though I said we weren't going to discuss the 21st century Indiana Jones films, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and the other one, the, the other one that is the whole reason we're doing this episode, and I can't even remember its goddamn name. Um, I want to see it. I do want to see it. I'm not just being a dismissive, cynical asshole. I want to see it. I just don't care enough to go to the theater right now. Do you think Do you think Harrison Ford will call somebody kid? Yeah, 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 he, he definitely will. He definitely will. Um... The thing I like that the uh, the story I like about Harrison Ford is that uh, apparently on this movie, uh, what, Dial of the Crystal Skull, whatever, and then uh, the the new Captain America movie he's filming right now, like he he started to incorporate this new catchphrase in his real life, where he'll he'll just say, "Let's shoot this piece of shit." <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. I just I just love that that he just gives so little uh, dams at this point. Yeah, like, when you're 80, he was he 81, 80? Yeah, something like that, yeah. He's 81 years old and they're like, "Hey, we'll give you 30 million dollars to do another one." He's like, "Yeah, whatever." Yeah. <laughs> Let's shoot this piece of shit. Cost 300 million dollars to make this new Indiana Jones movie. I, I saw reports that the that the rumored three hundred price uh-huh. is wrong, and and that it actually costs over three thirty, and then after marketing is close to four fifty after marketing. That's obscene. And so, so to, to this, oh, upwards of close to half a billion dollars for a movie about an eighty year old man with a lasso and a bucket hat. Like, <laughs> come on, guys. He doesn't even drive a spaceship. All right, get over yourselves. Like in comparison. Uh- Ki Hui Kwan's uh, everything, everything, every, everywhere, everywhere, all at once. once, like made made for a fraction, a pittance of a budget, and it was fantastic, and it won all the Oscars. And uh, I'm just like, you don't need to spend all this money to make movies, Hollywood. It's ridiculous. Oh, there's a lot of CGI budget for the swinging monkeys and the I don't know. The ground, the groundhogs, or whatever. So yeah, let, let, let's talk a little bit about how Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull has impacted the DKU because it's done it in some surprising ways, Jeff. So in Clive and Wrench, as we learned earlier this season, uh, the time traveling fridge that the titular duo uh, hop around time and space in, inspired by both the TARDIS from off of Doctor Who, and that time Indiana Jones got nuked. Inside of a refrigerator. I love that part. Yeah. People make fun yeah. of it. I'm like, well, how would you survive a nuclear explosion? I don't know. I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet. Nobody's given me money to do a podcast about Oppenheimer. I just think that if you're going to set your movie in the 1950s, uh, you should probably have a scene where you're in a 50s diner and then some greasers get in a fight with jocks. Then you get chased by the KJB KGB and just coincidentally stumble onto a a nuclear test range because it's the 1950s. Because it's the 1950s. Oh, you you forgot to mention that you get chased through by the jocks through an uh, anti-communism rally. Right. Yeah, the Reds and all that stuff. Uh, Yeah. uh, yeah. It's, It's a fun coincidence that everything I know about the 1950s was happening at all places at all times. Everything, everywhere, all at once. (laughs) <laughs> this has been a File 2 production. Terrico.